morning. Uh, I'm glad you're with us. Hopefully you're settling into either a couch at a house church or your own. Um, but however you're watching us this morning, we are excited that you're with us. Uh, we are going to kind of just go into a bunch of little different topics and things over the next couple weeks together. So it won't be a legitimate series as much as it'll just be some things I feel like God's impressing uh, on me that maybe we could talk about here at Community. And so this morning I want to talk about what happens when our plans fail. Um, because plans fail all the time for all kinds of reasons. And I think letting go of plans may not be quite as painful even as letting go of the expectations of those plans. So let me just give you an example. So a while back, we had some missionary friends who were supposed to come in town during the summer, and we were looking forward to this for a couple weeks, and we couldn't wait to see them. Um, we don't get to see them very often. Normally on a one-year basis, they're here. And so we were really excited, and the family was excited for them to come. And then we get the phone call, hey, we're not able to make it. We can't come. And it was one thing to just work through the planning and to set different plans. It was another thing entirely to let go of the expectations of, man, we all, we're going to get back together. There's going to be some fun things we're going to do. And so I think oftentimes the expectations are sometimes harder to let go of than even our plans are. So whether it's a friend visit, uh, whether it's a birthday, whether right now for you it's a graduation that you were, had a lot of expectations about that have now been put on hold or changed or your senior year. Maybe this for you is your senior year and you were looking forward to your senior year, your sports for that year, whatever it is that you play, track or baseball or whatever that spring sport could be for you. And you were like, man, I just can't wait. Uh, and things have changed. And so I think it's one thing to adjust to plans. It's another thing to let go of expectations. And so I think for us this morning, we're going to see that not letting go of expectations, if we're not able to let those go, it may bring about anxiety, anger, frustration, could be even like some self-judgment along the way because I, I should have been able to do this, but I couldn't. And probably a lot of maybe just even excessive, unhealthy behavior, um, no matter how you, you, you deal with change or when plans change, this morning I want to let you know that you're not alone. And so this morning we're going to look at the plans of Paul. We're going to go back into the Corinthian church this morning, and uh, we're going to see that Paul, at the end of the letter that we were working through before all this crisis hit, at the end of this letter, he has plans that he gives to the Corinthian church, and here are his plans out of chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians. He has two major things that he, he puts in context for us here. He says in chapter 16, verses 1 through 3, Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I directed the church at Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable and I should go also, they will accompany me. He basically is giving them a thing of saying, hey guys, when I come back, don't worry about all the money, collect it now so that if I have any expenses, you don't feel a need to take up an offering or any extra work. I just want you to do, go ahead, prepare it. I'm going to be there. I'm going away, but I will return. And first thing you want to do is have them just kind of set up this, this money for his visit. And then he says this in verses uh, five through nine. He says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia for I intend to pass through Macedonia and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many advisories. 
So he says this, he says, not only am I going to come and you can prepare these things, I'm going to come and I want to spend some time. I don't want to just kind of pass through. I want to actually sit with you and, and spend time with you in your house churches. I want to spend the entire winter with you. And he's got these plans. He says uh, in the passage, he says, for I do not, I don't want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. And so he's got this great plan in place and he says, hey, I'm going to be coming. It's going to be great. But here's the reality. Paul never made it. Um, there was a change in plan, and he never made it back to the Corinthian church. And as you know, and as Paul knew, that these expectations were then shattered. There was, there was this hope, and now it was gone. Paul and the house churches in Corinth had, had these expectations, and then they all fell through. This morning, I want to see how Paul handled it when expectations fail, and I want to show you how the Corinthian church handled it when it, when it failed. And then ultimately, we're going to talk about what happens in our own life when these expectations fail. Paul doesn't uh, always show this, but, but there's, an, there's an opportunity here to, to learn something when it comes to a gap in an expectation or even a gap in communication. And so this morning, I want to give you a big truth. It's actually, it's not mine. This was by uh, a guy named Andy Stanley. He said this once, and it kind of stuck with me. He says, in any gap of communication, you can choose to believe the best or the worst in someone. We say this all the time with our staff. There's going to be times where, where plans fail and expectations aren't met, and we have an opportunity in that moment. Are we going to believe the best about that person, or are we going to believe the worst? I'm telling you, if you even, even to put this into your own staff environment, whatever job you're in, if you were to apply this, it would revolutionize the camaraderie in your team because when we believe the best and not the worst, it changes things. And so there's a gap here in communication. There's a gap in expectation, and in this gap, you're going to see that the Corinthians, they choose, unfortunately, the worst. And so in choosing the best or the worst, they chose, we're going to believe the worst about Paul. He didn't make it. He didn't come. And we're going to believe the worst about why he didn't come. They, they believe these things about Paul and why he didn't make it back to Corinth. They said, Paul is being selfish. <laughs> they said, Paul is just a weak guy. He can't make up his mind. And, and just telling us what we want to hear. He's, he's just basically telling us what we want to hear. He told us that when he was leaving, but it was kind of like the, I'll call you later, when he didn't really mean he was going to call me later, right? He was just kind of that, I'm just going to tell them what they want to hear, and I got to get out of here. And so they, they believed the worst in this gap in communication. In 1 Corinthians, uh, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, Paul explains these worst expectations or, or worst um, beliefs about him this way. He says this, Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. He says, I know you believe the worst about me, but here's the reality. I wasn't vacillating, which basically means I wasn't wishy-washy. I wasn't unable to decide. I wasn't just a general personality of being indecisive. Some of us are, you know, we, we just generally are indecisive. We don't want to make anybody unhappy. And so we'll tell them everything they want to hear. And Paul's like, I wasn't doing that. He says, I wasn't selfish in, in, in the fact that I, I just didn't want to commit, right? I, I said these things, but I didn't want to commit, so I didn't come. He says, I wasn't selfish in this. And then he says, Paul also says, here, I wasn't talking out of both sides of my mouth here. I wasn't saying yes, yes, and no, no at the same time. He says, I wasn't just kind of placating because I'm worried about what you think about me. But the Corinthians believe that. 
Or, or even to put it in a, in a context, which is probably more of what Paul meant, when he says yes, yes, and no, no, it echoes back to the language of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, where, where Jesus is talking about making an oath, and he says, let your yes be yes and your no be a no. And it was a binding thing. He says, don't, don't go back and forth between your agreements with God and saying one thing and then doing another. They could have been that they were even believing that Paul was like making an oath between them and God and he was breaking it. And Paul's like, that's not at all what was happening here. I wasn't being selfish. I wasn't being wishy-washy or indecisive or selfish just because I didn't want to come. He says, I'm going to explain to you why, but unfortunately in this gap, you've believed the worst. And they believed the worst because of their heart. You see, um, the change of plan any kind of change of plan can expose our hearts. Whenever there's something that comes into our life that we don't expect, it's kind of a change in expectations or plans, it exposes what's really underneath and what is in our hearts, right? So change of plans expose the hearts of all who were involved. Here's the reality I know about you. Here's the reality I know about me when it comes to our hearts. They can be need vacuums. They can be bottomless pits of need. And when those needs are not met, we can look like the Corinthian church and begin to believe the worst about people. Our girls uh, and, and Carrie and I, we, we've, we've been working through a student ministry challenge. I don't know if you saw this online or not, but the student ministry challenge was that uh, we would look at the different temperaments that we all have and share. And these temperaments are in four different colors. And Basically, as you work through these temperaments, um, you can see that there are different needs associated with each temperament. And I'm not going to go into all of this this morning, but I just want to kind of show you how our hearts are need vacuums. So for the yellows who are far more social and friendly and, and energetic, they, they need acceptance, approval, affection, and attention. For those who are more driven and just fact-based and we just got to drive, 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 big vision kind of people, um, they may have needs of self-control, loyalty, credit for the work, appreciation. If you're a green um, and you just really like to make sure everybody's calm, everybody's happy, be, I don't want to cause any ruffles, then your needs could be harmony, lack of stress, uh, worth, worthiness, and respect. That Those would be some of your needs. Or if you're blue, which is far more the analytical and the thinker, you could probably have the needs of safety, support, sensitivity, space, and silence. This is all comes out of Kathleen Islands. Um, I said this, you heard that. And again, if you want to challenge, go to the student ministries. Or go to Facebook and there's a challenge from the student ministry uh, from our leaders there, Corey and Amber, about doing this at your house. Um, really interesting. But for the sake of this morning, our hearts are really need vacuums. And as you look at this list, um, you probably can look at this and say, huh, my biggest need is acceptance. My biggest need is lack of stress in my life. My biggest need is I need to get credit for the work. I, my biggest need is safety. Or it's probably a mix of all of them. But as you can see, just in our temperaments and in our hearts, we have a lot of needs. And when those needs don't get met, we can choose to believe the best or we can choose to believe the worst. And in the Corinthian church, their needs were not met and they started to believe the worst. You see, Paul shows us how to clear up these needs and expectations. Paul says, here are my needs, here are my motives, my heart is exposed. So if the Corinthian church was judging Paul and being the worst and he's selfish and he's indecisive, 
Paul is going to show us how it looks for a healthy, mature believer to say, this is how I handle when plans change. And so Paul's going to explain his heart, and he's going to expose his needs as he deals with this Corinthian church. And so let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, um, verse 12. And he says this, For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so toward you. Let's go to the next slide, because in this next slide, you're going to see these, these words stand out when it comes to the Corinthian church. He says, when I looked at this change of plan, when I boast of things, when I make all these things that are, that are meant to be plans, he says, um, I do so with simplicity. There's another word for this. It's called holiness in, in the Greek. He says, I do this with simplicity. I make my plans, especially towards this Corinthian church, with godly sincerity. And I do so not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so towards you. He says, I didn't just make these change of plans on my own. I, I sought the word of God out. I, I really investigated and I wanted God to really direct me in my plan. So the first thing you see is that there was a sincerity of Paul to really go to God in searching and how and when he should come back to Corinth. And so he says, I need you to know that first. And then in verse 13, he says this, for we are not writing to you anything other than what you read and understand, and I hope you will fully understand. In other words, he says, I, I want to just be transparent here. The goal is, is that I'm just open and honest about how these things have come about and, and why these things have changed. Transparency as a goal in changing of plans is very important. And for Paul to go to them and say, hey, I just want you to fully understand. This is why there was a change of plan. It's super helpful for the Corinthian church, and it tells us a lot about Paul's character. So the first thing you see is he is transparent and, and plans changing. I think we can learn something from that as well, that when things don't go as planned, we can just be honest and be like, you know what? I was really hoping to, but unfortunately it didn't happen, and I just want to be transparent and let you know. It wasn't without any kind of searching or prayer. It just was one of those things that this kind of fell through. And then the second thing he says is Paul took the step in clearing up the situation, and he took the first step. Paul took the first step in clearing up the situation. This is that leadership and that courage of Paul, which is a great example to us that if we have plans that are starting to fall through and the expectations aren't there, let's, and if we've offended somebody in the process, like these Corinthians were just mad that Paul wasn't coming back, and they were upset, and they're like, this is so like Paul. I can't believe our planter pastor would just throw us away and wouldn't even care about us. It was amazing that he took the leadership and the courage to take the first step in clearing up the situation. He says, I want you to fully understand. And it was a leadership move on his part to take the first step in addressing it in the very first part of the second letter that he writes to them. So in other words, in, in chapter 16, he talks about all his plans. The next thing he shares at the very beginning of his letter is, hey, I know you guys are upset I didn't make it. Here's why that, that is the way it was. And now Paul gives us here the real reasons for him not coming back to Corinth. He says, the first reason is in verse 23, and it was a reason of mercy. Verse 23 says this, um, but I call to God as, uh, but I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrain from coming again to Corinth. The first reason he gives for not coming back was mercy. He says, I wanted to let your wounds heal. 
What are you talking about? Well, that first letter, remember working through 1 Corinthians with us earlier? If you weren't there, I'd really encourage you to work through 1 Corinthians. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty harsh letter to this church. Here's all the things you're doing wrong. Here's how you need to improve. Here's all the issues you're dealing with. Here's all the things you need to stop doing. It was a pretty brutal letter. And he says, the first reason I don't come to you is to let you heal a little bit. I, I knew this wound is fresh. And it's just like a parent who just after they discipline a kid, if they start to come back and be like, hey, let's just hang out, the kid's going to be like, mm, no, this is still raw. I'm still upset you yelled at me. I'm still upset at the punishment. I'm still upset at you. Paul says, I wanted to give you room to heal. It's the same thing of if you ever pick at a scab, right? And you just keep picking at it and picking at it and picking at it and it never heals. He says, that's what I worried about with you. I, I wanted to give you some mercy here and let you work through this wound that I caused you in the first letter. The second reason he gives us in why he, comes, why he did not come back is growth. And this is in verse 24. He says this in verse 24. Not that we lord it over you, I'm sorry, not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. He says, this is to grow you in your faith. This is to let them mature. This was to say, you know what? I've caused you pain. I'm gonna let you sit in the pain because there's something important about letting you work through your own pain. There's something important about not swooping in and fixing. All the time in small groups, we have a rule that is the no fixing rule. And this is probably one of the hardest rules we have as small group leaders. And we don't wanna swoop in and fix a problem or just quote a verse to somebody. We want people to be able to work through that pain and work through those situations on their own so that there would be joy in working and standing firm in their faith. So he says, first thing is, I didn't want to come to, to, because I knew this was an open wound. And then he says, I didn't want to come because I wanted you to let you grow and mature through the pain of which you are suffering because of the letter I wrote you. And then he gives the third one. And the third one is this, it's abundant love is the reason I didn't come. To which the Corinthian church was like, are you kidding me? What do you mean you love us and so you didn't come? He says, I didn't want to cause you pain. I didn't want to, um, I wanted you to grow. He says, I wanted this abundant love to be there. And this is in verse uh, four of chapter two. Even actually in verse one, we'll go there too, because verse one says, for I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. And then in verse four, he says, for I wrote to you about out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. Let me read that again. I think that's important to hear from your, the, the pastor planter Paul here. He says, for, um, for I wrote you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. Paul did not come to this decision not to make it back to Corinth easily. When we change plans or when we have plans change on us, it's often a very emotional and hard thing. This crisis has been a very hard and emotional thing for many of us. And this changing of plans that we never wanted, this loss, as I said before, about graduations or sports or birthdays or friends or job, all these losses are painful and Paul here, as a good leader, says, this was hard on me too. This was an affliction of heart. This was, there were many tears in this decision not to come to you. This wasn't flip it. Flip it. This, was, this was me just saying, I really wanted to be there. But I knew this was the right thing to do and not to come. But to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. And this abundant love that he has for them, not to cause them pain, is seen in the next verse. And I want to kind of highlight this. 
So this next, this next section is chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. And he says, this is, this is kind of the proof of Paul proving to them that he loves them, okay? And in any expectation that has failed, here is where we need to go. Whenever you have a pain about an unmet expectation, here is where I want you to go. Verses 5 through 8. Now, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. In other words, he's saying somebody in the church was causing this pain. Somebody in this church was stirring everybody up. And he says they're causing problems across the entire church, not just to me. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. He says, in the midst of these unmixed expectations and all these emotions, here's what I want you to do. I want you to forgive one another. I want you to understand the pain that they're feeling in these unmet expectations, and I want you to forgive them. Community, in the midst of what we're dealing with right now, there's going to be things that you say and things that you do and the way that you react and the things you put into different scenarios. Well, they didn't do this because they're this, or they didn't say the right thing, and so therefore they must not like me. Or uh, you start to overread every situation the more we're in isolation. And Paul reminds us that in the midst of those unmet expectations, the thing we are to do is to constantly love one another and to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. We forget that the person on the other end of this feels feelings as well. And so in every unmet expectation and every canceled plan, can we just remember there's somebody else on the other side of this that didn't want to have to make that plan, that didn't want to have to go through the sorrow of causing you that pain. And so as I beg you, this is a great word, he says, so I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. This is Paul pleading, please, please reaffirm him. Let him know that you love him. So he says there's mercy, there's growth, there's assurance of love, and finally there's forgiveness when you come into these unmet expectations. And lastly this morning, there's probably one huge benefit of clearing up all these disagreements. There's one huge blessing when it comes to um, working through these unmet expectations and plans. He says it perfectly in verse 14. Just as you did partially understand us, that on the day of our Lord, Jesus will boast of us as we will boast of you. This growth and this unmet expectations, one huge benefit is as we grow together, as we still remain the church together, Paul says in the midst of this disagreement, in the midst of them being mad at him for these unmet expectations, he says, one day we will be before Jesus and when we're before Jesus, you will boast of us and we will boast of you. Isn't that awesome? That when we get to heaven, that when we get to that day, when we see Jesus, we're going to be able to say, man, our church was so good together. They were so awesome. I love my pastor. I love my leaders. And the pastor and leaders can turn to the church and say, we love them. Look at all they're doing. And Paul even gives proof of this and says, here's some things that Paul, well, he doesn't say it here, but he has a lot of things in the first letter that he could boast about this church about. Here's a couple of them that Paul could choose to boast about. He says, first of all, he could choose about, boast about how God had given growth from planting and watering of the apostles. He could boast about them in 1 Corinthians. He could boast about how God provided for their needs so that they could get out of their abundance. We're going to cover that up. Needs of their abundance, and he could boast about that. He could boast about how the Spirit bestowed gifts upon them, and he could really just be excited for that. And, and, and they, could, they could do the same with Paul. Community Bible Church, let me just say this to you this morning, that as a pastor and as a people here, I could say the same things about you. 
that we could boast about how God has used leaders here for the watering and planting of this church. We planted this church and we dreamed and thought about what this church could be and we've seen God do some amazing things. We could boast when we get to heaven about how God provided for all of our needs. You have been so faithful during this crisis in your giving and in your, how you've helped others through this crisis financially. He says we can boast about that as a church and we can boast about how the Spirit bestowed gifts on all of you, which we're going to learn about this fall, Lord willing, as we jump back into Corinthians this fall. We're going to learn about all those things together, and we're going to learn how do we boast in each other. When we have unmet expectations, the goal is that we continue to fight for the other person, and we continue to boast so that when we get to heaven, we can say, man, look at how we went through that crisis and how we loved each other through it. Look at how the pastor and, and, later, and, elder, and elders led us through that time of change and crisis. I'm telling you, this is how God wants us to meet these changing of plans and expectations in our own life. And as we close this morning, I just want to give you two questions to think about. And you can talk about these in your house church if you're there, or you can choose just to pray. But these are just some questions to wrestle through when it comes to unmet plans and expectations. First question is this. What of all these changes, especially during this crisis, COVID, corona, whatever, what of all these changes exposed about your own heart? What have you been seeing in your own heart during this crisis? Maybe you can talk about that. Number two, how will you lead the way in sincerity and transparency? If you have some unmet expectations and you've wronged somebody and there's feelings of remorse between others, how will you lead the way in sincerity and transparency? How will you take charge and say, you know what? Change of plans. I know that was hard for you. I know you wanted to really be playing sports this year. I know you really wanted that graduation party. I know we had plans to go on vacation, but it didn't happen. I know I lost my... How are you going to lead in transparency and sincerity to say, you know what, that hurt me too, but we're going to trust God through it. Just some questions hopefully to wrestle through. And this morning, overall, here's the biggest thing I want you to get again out of this morning is as we have unmet expectations through these failing and changing of plans that happen on a daily basis, because Let's just be honest, there's going to be more changing in plans, things to come. Don't allow the changes of plans and expectations to change you into the worst version of yourself. I want to challenge us as a community to love each other well, to lead with sincerity and transparency, and just be open in communication with one another through all the changes. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. I thank you for the example that Paul set for us and how to lead through uncertain times and changing of plans and expectations. I thank you for giving us hope that this is how we're to respond. I pray for us as a church that as we work through all these changes together, God, that you would remind us that we are still yours. We are still in your hands. You are still faithful to us. And so may we love each other abundantly through this time and learn more about ourselves in the process. We love you and we thank you. Amen.